The reading this morning is from the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 10, and you'll find this on page 896 of the Pew Bibles. Page 896, Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz round his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left, my face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face towards the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. 
Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the Prince of Persia, and when I go, the Prince of Greece will come. But first, I will tell you what is written in the Book of Truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your Prince. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day and thank you for the freedom we have to listen to you now. Please speak to our hearts and change our lives. Amen. Good morning. I wonder if you've ever had to try and have a conversation with somebody who was not giving you their full attention. Have you ever done that? Sometimes when I'm cooking tea, my children will come and talk to me, which is really very, very nice. Um, and after a while of them talking to me and me going, hmm, yeah, hmm, hmm, they sometimes get quite cross. And they say, Mom, you're not listening. They know I can hear them because I'm grunting away from time to time. But I'm not really concentrating. I'm actually thinking about what I'm doing, not at all about what they're saying. It's very dangerous just to parents. You must concentrate if you're answering your children but you see, I can hear them, and I'm not really listening, and there's a big difference between those two things. When I was a child, it was thought very rude to keep the TV on if somebody came to call. And however gripped we were by what we were watching, much to my annoyance, my parents would turn off the television if we had guests. Now, that was a long time ago, and the world has changed quite a lot these days. Music and sound are almost everywhere. As technology has developed and become cheaper and more accessible, we can even carry powerful computers in our pockets all the time and interact with one another across great distances in the twinkling of an eye, 24 hours a day. Where in the past, naughty children might pass little notes to and fro in class, today's children can apparently notch up six and a half hours in front of a screen each day between TV and phones and games, all at the same time sometimes. But before anyone leaps onto a soapbox to grumble about the youth of today, how often do we find ourselves distracted in a meeting or in a conversation by the incessant rumble of our phones in our pocket or bag, urgently telling us that we have a message from someone or other? What a difference it makes to the quality of conversation if the participants stop what they're doing and step away from everything else. Maybe even turn off the mobile phone for half an hour and fully concentrate on one another. 
When a young couple start to get to know one another, this is exactly what they do, isn't it? They go on a date. They spend quality time together without the distractions of other people in order to get to know one another better, to allow their relationship to deepen. They prioritize that important relationship above all others. They give it space to breathe and to grow. They nurture it because it's something special and in it they're placing their hope for the future. As we continue our adventure with God in learning about prayer, today we look to see what we can learn from Daniel. It was quite a strange story in parts, wasn't it? Here we have a man who has done just what we spoke about a moment ago. He stepped away from the distractions of life to really concentrate on God. It's his relationship with his heavenly father that he's prioritizing. Thousands of years before the mobile phone had even been dreamed of, Daniel models for us the importance of giving your undivided attention to the conversation with our sovereign Lord, God Almighty. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm a great fan of technology, and it can be a great help to our spiritual walk in many ways. But Daniel here models for us something about treasuring time with God, undistracted by anything else, even your mobile phone. Let's take a look at the text and see what we can learn from him today that might enrich our prayer life here in Walcott. So, Daniel is another civil servant in the Persian courts. He's writing only three years or so after Nehemiah had headed off to Jerusalem with Ezra to begin rebuilding the walls of their precious home city. We heard his story last week, if you remember. Daniel works for a different king, though, King Cyrus. Daniel was captured and taken off to exile in his youth, and he's now a much older man. At 86, he has spent his whole adult life in exile, working hard to do a good job wherever God had placed him. But he has a real heart for his home city, for Jerusalem. Nehemiah made an excellent start to the work he planned, completing the outer walls of the city in only 52 days, we hear. But as the years go on, Daniel hears the sad news that the work of rebuilding the city is not going too smoothly. There has been much interference and relentless false accusations from Judah's neighbors, and this has really delayed work. It seems that the road of international relations has never run very smoothly. Following some disturbing dreams about the future of his beloved city, Daniel makes his mind up to pray for the salvation of his native land. His total commitment to the task should be an inspiration to all of us, but it offers, I think, particular challenge to those of us who are a little older there's sometimes a temptation to step back when one retires, to think it's time for younger men and women to pick up the baton. Sometimes when we cease to work, we can begin to question our usefulness to God 
perhaps we don't have quite the same physical energy that we once had. Daniel shows us that this is far from the case. This marvellous octogenarian models for us persistent commitment to heartfelt prayer. He's nothing short of a hero, battling in prayer for the people he loves. And his efforts are recorded in the Bible to inspire us. Once again, we find ourselves reading his reflections from his journal. This strange story unfolds at the season of the Passover, which is a time when Jews traditionally feast and give thanks to God for his deliverance of them out of Egypt. But Daniel's heart is heavy for his people, and he decides to fast instead of feast in order to concentrate all of his energy on God. Just like turning off the TV or switching off your mobile phone in order to fully concentrate on an important conversation, choosing to fast represents in some way a conscious effort to focus on God. He's really quite elderly, so total fast for food and dr from food and drink might not have been terribly wise, so instead he eats very simply, avoiding all the rich food and drink that would have been available to him. And he makes an effort to dress simply and not anoint himself, I suppose the equivalent of not wearing any perfume or makeup or, or the fancy clothes that might have been expected of one in his position. As I read this, I wondered what kind of effort we put in to clearing away the distractions of modern life from our conversation with God. Do we take a quiet time with him regularly? Is there a time each day, however short, that we step aside with him, turning off our mobile phones <laughs> and closing the door to other people and sit quietly in God's presence. You might say to me, well, Esther, it's a nice idea, but life is really just so busy. And I know you're right, it is. However, Bill Hybels of the Willow Creek Fellowship in America wrote a book called Too Busy Not to Pray. Sometimes things are too important to ignore. Daniel models for us, giving up other things that we do value because we value God's presence more. Do we ever long so much to hear his voice that we're willing to eat very simply or even go without food to indicate to God that he has our complete attention? Perhaps we might consider watching 15 minutes less TV, or spending 10 minutes less on the computer with Facebook or our emails in the evening. Maybe you're a morning person and you could get up half an hour earlier to sit quietly in God's presence with a cup of tea and your Bible. Or maybe you could walk in the park in your lunch hour and pray as you go. Perhaps for a season you might reorganize your day and spend 20 minutes in the prayer room with us 
as we read morning prayer at 9.30 each day. Daniel challenges us to give up things we value, to gain something of much greater worth, deeper relationship with God. What might that look like for you, I wonder? Daniel gave up things he valued because he wanted to show God how much he longed to know his will for his people. For three weeks, he fasted and prayed, and nothing happened. I wonder how he felt during that time. I wonder if he thought God was even listening to his continued anguished prayers. For three whole weeks, he fasted and prayed, but even so, he clearly was surprised by what happened next. Isn't that often the case, that we pray and we pray and we pray, and then we're taken quite by surprise by what God chooses to do in answer to our prayers. Daniel went to lengths to put himself in a position where he could hear God's voice. He had prepared his heart well by fasting and prayer and was in a humbled state, ready to hear from God. Experiencing the presence of the holy, however, can be an awesome, overwhelming experience. Face-to-face -face encounters with God are rare in any age. But sometimes, if we enter into prayer with truly humble hearts and are ready to hear God's will, we will be aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit as we worship and wait on God. And this can make us feel, like Daniel, so aware of our own inadequacy before God. He found being in close proximity to God an exhausting experience, but he comes away from it revived, stronger, and at peace. Daniel tells us he was walking by the river when he saw someone who looked like a man, familiar in form, and yet amazing, bright and shining, all at the same time. It reads like something from Doctor Who, really, not at all like an ordinary human being. This is how the message translates that little description. To my surprise, I saw a man dressed in linen with a belt of pure gold round his waist. His body was hard and glistening as if sculpted from a precious stone, his face radiant, his eyes bright and penetrating like torches, his arms and feet glistening like polished bronze, and his voice deep and resonant sounded like a huge choir of voices. Not unlike the incident on the road to Damascus with St. Paul, his companions don't see what Daniel sees, but they can feel its presence, and they run away, afraid. It's quite extraordinary, but it's very real. It's not a dream. Daniel is left alone before this heavenly visitor, and he falls down to the floor, unable to move in fear. He feels weak and utterly unsupported. This messenger has been sent by God. 
We don't know his name or exactly who he is, but he is the response to Daniel's humble prayers. He affirms Daniel, both telling him to stand and then helping him to his knees. He says to him, do not be afraid. This most unusual story gives us an insight into the spiritual realm as the messenger tells Daniel that his prayers were heard from the very start. Just like Nehemiah, Daniel sought to understand God's will and he humbled himself before God, not demanding this or that, not telling God what he ought to do, but earnestly seeking God's will and asking him how to pray. As soon as he did that, God heard his prayers. The angel set off immediately to support Daniel, but he was delayed by the forces of evil. We have described, we have described for us here a struggle as the prince of Persia impedes his progress, and the archangel Michael has to come and help the messenger. We're given this image of a mighty battle between heaven and hell in which we see the reality of the spiritual battle that we engage in when we pray. The devil doesn't want there to be unimpeded communication between us and our heavenly father. In the spiritual realm, he places obstacles, but God is stronger. Daniel doesn't quite know what to make of all this, and he's in, in awe of this visitor. His fear completely paralyzes him. This is something we can all identify with, isn't it? How often, when we focus on the problem, are we overwhelmed by fear? But the visitor gives him permission, or perhaps releases the ability to speak in Daniel. Like Nehemiah, he is utterly honest and expresses the depth of his anguish and his feelings of powerlessness. I expect many of us can identify with these most human emotions. We don't like it when we feel weak and alone, when we simply can't do anything to change a dreadful situation. And it gives rise to possibly the most alarming and disturbing set of emotions to cope with. The heavenly visitor completely understands. Do not be afraid, he says again. The heavenly visitor affirms Daniel. He offers him peace and commands him to be strong. It's as though in this conversation he imparts God's strength for the task. Do not be afraid. There is, I think, a beautiful sense of God's compassion in this. The spiritual battle is fierce and ongoing. And in committing to pray, we are part of it. But God knows how inadequate we feel and he wants us to know in our weakness, he is strong. Do not be afraid, he says to you this morning, 
if this is where you find yourself today. Centuries later, Paul writes to the Ephesian church, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. The gospel tells us that Jesus has won a decisive victory over sin, the world, and the devil. It is for this reason that he was willing to leave the splendor of heaven and give up his spotless life for our sakes. His death on the cross and resurrection to life broke the power of sin over us, and it is in his strength that we stand. It is in his strength that we pray for our world. It is in his strength that we pray for those we love. Verse 18 tells us, even as he spoke, courage surged within me. I wonder, what do we need courage for today? Is it to say sorry to someone, perhaps? Is it to stand up for what is right? Is it simply to face life's challenges in God's strength? After the service, I'll be at the front here. And if you feel that you are in particular need of courage this morning, I'd love to pray with you. Daniel's story reminds us to humble ourselves before God, to make space for him in our busy, busy lives. And when we do so, he hears us. When we stand in God's strength, we must put on his armor daily to face the spiritual battle that rages. And he says to you today, do not be afraid. Amen. We're going to sing.